that it's all stopped into the end zone for the game's first touchdown. Has been a big, big hole. Bunch the receivers to the left, spread out along the tree trunk, and the pass is caught by McCardell. Touchdown. Third and 18, and this is going to write a finish. Derek Brooks, who ran back three interceptions for touchdowns in the regular season, does it to cement the Super Bowl. Mahomes looking to flip, takes it in for the touchdown. Needs some Mahomes magic. Launches down the middle. Hill open. Caught. And they get it. Kansas City. The big play. First and goal pass. Open. Touchdown. Kelsey. Chiefs are back in it. Mahomes throws. Pass. Caught. Williams. Touchdown. City jumps on top. Now second and six. Williams makes a cut and will roll into the end zone for the touchdown. No flags. This is picked. Kendall Fuller up to get it, and that will end this game with under a minute to go. The ball will end up in the hands of Tom Brady on the kneel down. And what did he say to us the other day? He says, I pray to win another Super Bowl. So help me. I'll never ask again. Can I just get this one, he said. Until next year. Yeah, exactly. Then the reset. It's a Sunday morning, so you know what that means. That means, of course, Grinders, it is our time. This is the Sunday Morning Grind Podcast. As always, your boy Josh Taylor, joined by my trusted associate, co-host, producer extraordinaire, Greg Finley, a.k.a. Jermichael. Please don't call him Aloysius. Ladies, call him, or at least, at least... At least follow him on Twitter at the GFIN. You can follow me at Josh Taylor HD. Follow the Sunday Morning Grind on Twitter at Sunday M O R N Grind. You can interact with all of us and interact with the show as well. Tell us what you think. Have us uh, have some questions for us. You have some responses to the show. Drop them on in there. Matter of fact, and while you're at it, check us out wherever your podcast, wherever you get them from. Leave us a review. We'd appreciate it. Drop us a rating. We'd appreciate that even more. Tell a friend to tell a friend. And then who knows? Maybe we'll have some more for you along the way. You just heard a very, very interesting montage there compiled by Greg. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers back in the Super Bowl yet again. Tom Brady back in the Super Bowl yet again. Facing Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. So Tampa, Kansas City, we will get into... This game, we're going to break it down pretty much up and down. But before we get to that, we got a lot of stuff we got to talk about. We'll talk about the Super Bowl. We got to talk about some MLB free agency, big announcement that happened going into the weekend that we're going to talk about. Plus, we got to play our favorite news headline game. Is this a thing? We got prop bets for the Super Bowl we're going to talk about. Greg and I have sheets in front of us that we're going to get into. We got a lot to talk about. Greg, in the meantime, I've been sitting here talking about the entire show. How you been, man? What's going on? (laughs) 
I'm doing good, Josh. It's Super Bowl weekend. This is a great time to be alive as a sports fan. This is one of the more fun weekends, not because people are going to eat insanely insane numbers of pounds of chicken wings and not because we're going to be sitting there watching and critiquing commercials for about four hours, but because we are going to see a very, very intriguing football game. I look at this, and you can pick just about any kind of storyline out of the air. My favorite storyline I'm looking at this or the favorite storyline story I'm looking at when I look at this game, the current GOAT and a potential future GOAT. I look at it one of two ways. If Brady wins, the status is once again cemented even further. If Mahomes wins, possible passing of the torch of the preeminent quarterback in the NFL. That's how I feel about it. I couldn't agree more. I mean, Tom Brady, 10th Super Bowl now. You heard it in the montage. I love that quote. From Romo and Nance just saying, you know, what Brady wanted just one more. Because I think that he thought that he might have been done. I think he thought that he might have been at the end of the line. And then this opportunity opened up after he got bounced in New England the next year against the Titans, where he probably saw that the dynasty was over in New England and it was time to move on. And now he comes to Tampa Bay and his first season, he brings them to the Super Bowl. That is unreal. It is one of those things where you hear of teams trying to reload and plug and play and bring in this guy. And this guy's the one that'll put us over the top. If you bring in this guy, this guy might be the missing piece to the puzzle. Tampa Bay needed a quarterback and went and got the greatest of all time. <laughs> and then they built a team around it, and too. And built a team around them. It, exactly. That really. And I, I love how I love how Bruce Arians addressed the need for a Tom Brady and the need to build around a Tom Brady the same way I love how Andy Reid addressed the need to build around Patrick Mahomes. Both coaches have the same philosophy. This is the guy we need to make it all work, and we need to get the guys to put around him to make it all work. And I don't think it's a coincidence that both coaches share that philosophy. Both have shaped their rosters. I should say both organizations have shaped their rosters around that philosophy, and now both are back in the Super Bowl. Exactly. Yep, and Kansas City, everybody pretty much penciled them in to go to the Super Bowl at the beginning of the season, and here they are. And I think a lot of people doubted them, including myself, just the way that the regular season turned out for them because they weren't blowing teams out. They were struggling with teams like Carolina. They were struggling with teams like the Atlanta Falcons. They lost outright to the Las Vegas Raiders now. Right. And... You know, I just thought, hey, maybe this is too much for Kansas City to repeat because we all know how hard it is to repeat. The last team to do it was New England, and that was because they had Tom Brady and a loaded football team. And now I look at the Chiefs, and I just think, man, all those weapons that they had and how close some of these regular season games were against teams that they should have spanked. You look at what they did to Buffalo two weeks ago, and I go, hey, the real Kansas City Chiefs just – stood up they just showed up and they show what they're made of and what they're capable of if this team shows up in the Super Bowl on Sunday it's going to be really tough for the Bucs I don't see Kansas City as a dangerous team because they can score a bunch of points whenever they they deem it necessary that's not what scares me what scares me is that they are just good enough Mm -hmm. most days they are good enough to win most days their worst loss was at the hands of the Chargers and they lost by 17 their sec their other loss came Eight points at the hands of, of Vegas. But those were two in-division teams that they lost to. 
And the Chargers, they benched everybody. And the and against the Chargers, most of the people were sitting. So it, that was the end, last game of the season. It didn't really matter. They were fourteen and one. Everything else was sewn up, so it really wasn't an issue. Right. So the one game of any consequence that they lost was a one possession game to a division opponent. Every other game they played, regardless of how you look at the 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 margin of victory, strength of schedule. I've been saying this all year. Kansas City is good enough. They they don't have to stomp you. They can. We know they can if properly inclined because if you watched last season against Houston, you know what they're capable of. We don't need to go back into that. Down 24, they drop a 50-burger. If they have to do it, they will. But that's the thing that should scare you. Not the fact that they're capable of doing it, but if they have to, they will. They are the John Wick of the NFL. They can use any means possible to kill you, however brutal, however humane, however swift and painless, or however bloody and just absolutely horrible and brutal it could possibly be. Right. But they can find any possible way to kill you, and they will if necessary. Down 20-10 to 10 in the Super Bowl, I don't think anybody ever counted them out in that game. And they come down and score. They come down and get a stop. They come back. They score again. They get an interception. They put the game away. And it was just like that. Yep. <laughs> It was just like, wait, wasn't weren't the 49ers up by 10 just like five seconds ago? That's what Kansas City can do. They remind me of the, the Shaq and Kobe Lakers because that team earlier in the season didn't always look as strong. Shaq really wasn't around the full form yet. He might not even have started playing by then. But then eventually he works himself back into shape. He's playing more minutes. And then by like February, March, the light turns on and no one can mess with them. By the time April comes around, playoffs start, and they're a juggernaut. They're just a machine, and they just close out series, and they can't be beaten, and they win titles. That's what they remind me of. They don't need to have it all the time. They just need to turn it on when it's necessary. Right, and I think uh, they did that against Buffalo for sure. In a game down 9 nothing. I don't think Kansas City ever panicked. I don't think fans ever panicked. They're like, look, 9 nothing. That's not a big deal. I think Buffalo thought, hey, we're in control right now, but at the same time, you have to keep scoring against Kansas City. If there's one team that can do it, it's a team led by Tom Brady. True. And if there's a defense that that can stop Kansas City, I think it's Tampa Bay's. This is going to be a very interesting Super Bowl because both offensively and defensively on both teams, most Super Bowls, we go, hey, Tom Brady and the Patriots, they're probably going to win. This Super Bowl... I don't know who to pick. Me neither. It is so hard. I have broke it down for two weeks, Josh. I've taken notes. I have looked up stats of their previous matchups. I'm like, how am I supposed to pick this Super Bowl? It's really hard. It's insane because there is – I'm going to circle back to my John Wick analogy. If you go back this season and this the season before that and everything they did in that time period, how many games they've played and how few games they've lost – and how easy they've been able to make comebacks. You mentioned it against San Francisco last year in the Super Bowl. I talked about against Houston in the playoffs. We just talked about Buffalo in the AFC Championship game. It just seems like they are never out of it. That is a team that if they have an opportunity to to put you away, they're going to, and they're not going to let up. And if they're behind, they're also not going to let up. The only way to beat this team is to outrun them. And I come back to the John Wick analogy because anytime we've we've if you've seen a John Wick movie, any of the three, if he's up against the wall, if he's up against adversity, he's going to find a way to come back. 
and come back and find the person responsible until he gets that threat out of the way. And I'll say all that to say this. Two seasons now with Kansas City. No one's killed them yet. John Wick has not been killed yet. This is the issue that we're talking about with this league. As, as widespread as this league probably looks like it is on paper, give me a team right now that looks that good on paper that can be that much of a threat on paper besides Kansas City. Tampa Bay, I think a lot of people said, well, as long as Brady's on this team, they're good. As long as Brady's on this team, they're a contender. Kansas City, you look at what they've done the past two years. You're sitting there going, how in the world, I'm like you, how in the world can you bet against this team? Then again, we just learned after the NFC Championship game, how in the world can you bet against Tom Brady? <laughs> it it really doesn't make sense. It, it And I, I, I used the John Wick analogy to jump over to another movie analogy. The Chiefs, to me, are John Wick. The Bucks are Jason Bourne. Because somehow, Jason Bourne keeps finding new ways to come back and vanquish anybody in front of him. And who do you pick in the fight? John Wick or Jason Bourne? <laughs> Both will freaking kill you with their bare hands if need be. And for some odd reason, no one can seem to kill either one. Right. And, and I think also the fact that Brady and Mahomes have faced off before in the playoffs – and neither of them killed each other. Right. And even in the regular season when they played each other, it looked like Mahomes was going to kill Brady. And then Brady, in the fourth quarter, put up two touchdowns immediately. And I was like, wait a minute. Is Kansas City really that much better than everybody else? Because they were dominating, and I thought, okay, it's Kansas City and everybody else. But Tampa Bay only lost by three in that game. Right. And I thought, man, Kansas City kind of took their foot off the gas, or Tampa Bay figured something out. But I look back whenever Brady – dinked and dunked to Edelman as much as he did against Kansas City and they got the final possession and sent it to overtime and they won that thing. It's just those little things that helps you win a game whenever you're facing Kansas City. And I think in this situation, if it's going to be a sprint, it's going to be Kansas City. Right. Whoever's going to put up more points, Kansas City's going to put up more points. You have to be in a dogfight, and you need to limit their possessions, and you need to run the football, work in the play action, kill time of possession, because you don't want to give them a ton of possessions in this game. So if Tampa Bay can you know, take care of the pace of play, have the football more, things might go in their direction where, hey, we got Tom Brady, and he's got a minute 14 to go down the field and win us a football game. I like my chances a lot better than we're down 14 with seven minutes to go and we still got to match Patrick Mahomes touchdown for touchdown. Here's the thing that sticks out to me. and you, Everything you broke down is 100% true. But here's the thing that sticks out to me because we're talking about Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes knowing that these two have met and we're talking about the first time they met this season. But here's the thing. When you compare these two guys – Tom Brady this season in Tampa, 40 touchdown passes, 12 interceptions. That that speaks for itself as far as what he's done this season. But when you look on the other side of it with Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes this season, 38 touchdowns, six interceptions. The last time these two teams met, you mentioned it. Kansas City won that game by three. Brady, three touchdowns, two picks. Mahomes, three touchdowns, zero picks. Who is going to be the first one to blink? How many times has Brady won games because the other quarterback blinked first? How many times has Tom Brady won key playoff matchups because the other quarterback, including the one that plays this town in this town, blinked first? How many times has Tom Brady won a Super Bowl because the other quarterback blinked first? And I'm talking about Donovan McNabb. I'm talking about 
Kurt Warner. I'm not talking about just any old kind of quarterback. I'm talking about good quarterbacks that he beat because the other guy, you can make the argument Matt Ryan will be the first to blink first in any any contest. And up I wouldn't argue with that. Nothing, He's up 20 nothing. He was up 28 to 3 and blinked several times. He might be the only one. But the other guy blinked first, and he wasn't going to be the one to blow it. He might meet the one guy. He might be meeting the one guy that might not blink first in Mahomes. That's what scares me. Yeah, and it, these two quarterbacks are the story, but I also look at the defense. I think Tampa Bay's defense is possibly the best defense in the NFL this year. I think I think a lot of people didn't really notice that until they got to the playoffs, until they got everybody back healthy, and then they just let this unleashed animal loose. Right. I mean, they, they got Devin White. They got Levante David. That might be the best linebacker pair. <laughs> exactly. I only named two, and they have three. And I already named two, and they're like, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> and they got Indomitian Sue up front with Jason Pierre-Paul. That's another really good <laughs> guys up front. I mean, I look at that, and then they got, you know, Bunting, who's a really good cornerback, who was kind of under the radar, kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. They got Whitehead, who's a stud. They're loaded, man. If there's one... If there's one team that can slow down Kansas City, I'm looking at this Tampa Bay defense. Oh, yeah, and they have Shaq Barrett, who led the league in sacks last year with 19 and a half. Yeah. And he had eight this season. It, it's it's insane how talented this defense is, and we haven't talked about the back half yet. Right. We're just talking about the front seven. Right. That's what's kind of disturbing. Now, on the other side of it, Kansas City's got a pretty good defense. Now, granted, they really didn't look that great in the rankings. I think they were 10 in, 10th in scoring, 16th in total yards, 10th in, in takeaways. But Kansas City's defense is very emblematic of their offense. Kansas City's defense doesn't need to be dominating in order to win games. It just needs to be good enough. It just exactly. needs to be one point better, and they did it more often than not in the last two years. Yeah, you just need to be a little bit better so Mahomes can outscore the other team. And they've done that all year long except against Vegas. Of all teams to do that against. And they were only one possession short. So right. it wasn't like they got totally stomped in. You fell one possession short in the one game of consequence that you lost all season. That that sticks out to me. Right. And you also look, and I know it's hard to compare regular season Tom Brady to playoff Tom Brady, Super Bowl Tom Brady, but I look at what happened to the Bucks against the Saints in the regular season and how they got absolutely stomped. And I look at Kansas City and say, this team never got stomped. Right. Never. And the one time they did, like you mentioned, the starters were in the game. It really didn't count because right. it's like no one of consequence was in that game. And that, that's the team that scares me is the one you can't seem to put away. Like there was no real way to get a kill shot in on Kansas City. But if there's one that's capable, it might be Tampa Bay. That's the thing I look at because you talk about this defense and how it stacks up. There is some matchups. There's some matchup problems, I should say that could come around and benefit Tampa more than they benefit Kansas City. And that's just by looking at Kansas uh, Kansas City's injury report because they got some really banged-up offensive linemen who either haven't been practicing or aren't expected to play, and that becomes an issue because Tampa Bay is very good at doing the one thing that most successful teams can do now. If they can get pressure with three, four, maybe five guys, you're going to be a hard defense to beat. And Tampa has done that, and they've done it mostly by sending four and letting those linebackers eat up as much space as possible and letting the DBs do their job on the back end. And you have to do that against Mahomes. Mahomes is good on the run under pressure, but you actually have to get to him and sack him. You can't let you can't just blitz and then let him run around because that's whatever he does his the most damage. Right. He made that throw against the Buffalo Bills where we both texted each other like, 
dude, how do you stop that? You can't. There's <laughs> you no can't, answer for it. You can't stop it. It's like the NCAA 14 video that you sent me when the announcement came out <laughs> with the quarterback nearly on the ground and just like somehow throws it out and the receiver catches it all the way down the field and scores. It was the closest It was the closest real-life equivalent to that video. It was. That's as close as it's going to get. And it's like you. there's no preparation. There's no game planning. There's no scouting that can help you stop that. Right, right. And then I look at Kansas City's defense. Uh, I like I like a lot of guys on this defense. Their their secondary is absolutely loaded with Honey Badger and Tyrone Matthew. They've got um, uh, Legarius Sneed, who's an under the weather or you know under the radar kind of linebacker who had two sacks, three tackles for loss, and eleven tackles in the postseason. This guy kind of came out of nowhere. He was very quiet in the regular season, only playing in nine games with forty one tackles two tackles for loss, and then in the playoffs, he's already got three tackles for loss and two sacks. So he's really stepped up, and I think they need him to do that some more. they got to get pressure to Brady. They already have Frank Clark doing that as well. But I like LeJarrius Sneed in this uh, matchup. The guy that I think gets left out a lot because they talk about Tyron Matthew so much is Daniel Sorensen. Yep, Sorensen. Daniel Sorensen is a playmaker. Daniel Sorensen is a guy that opposing offenses game plan for. I remember watching the Steelers prep for Kansas City. I think it was two seasons ago, maybe three seasons ago. They're prepping for the Chiefs, and they're doing their scout work against their scout team, and they had jerseys on two guys. One was the Tyron Matthew guy. The other one was the Daniel Sorensen guy because they wanted to know where those two guys were at all times, and it, it I think it speaks to that. When you have two safeties back there that are playmakers, I'm trying to think of teams that have a, a safety combo that's that good. Buffalo safety combo mm-hmm. is really that good. But as far as guys that can make plays, you talked about it. Tyron Matthew, six interceptions. Daniel Sorensen had three. And he led the team in tackles with 91. They have playmakers on this back end that they don't just make plays, they make impact plays. So the number of points that they may allow may mislead you. The number of yards they allow may mislead you because they're still able to make enough plays to win games when they need them to be made. Right. So who wins? Oh, dear God. (laughs) You're like, oh, we got to pick that now? I have I've circled around with this so much. I was at the barber shop today. I'm at the barber shop, and my barber goes, "Who you got in this one?" He's like, he, "I walk in the door." He's like, "Just a man I've been waiting to see." <laughs> Shout out to Vic Musgrove at VIP Styles. He's it's like, like Norm's here, but Josh. <laughs> I walk in. He's like, "Just a man I've been waiting to talk to." I'm like, "Oh boy, here we go." Because <laughs> I wanted to hear what you thought about this game. He he's leaning heavily on Kansas City for the. I mean, not heavy. He's leaning heavily on Tampa Bay. Because for the same reasons we've been talking about with that defense. He really likes that defense, and he's he's got a good point. And he's saying, oh, that pass rush might give him a homeless problems. I said, okay, but if he gets two to three seconds, that's all he needs. Right. Two to three seconds in a window. They may not get to him. And that's not counting the fact that, oh, wait, we haven't talked about Tyreek Hill. Exactly. We haven't talked about Miko Hartman. We have not talked about Travis Kelsey. And apparently not a lot of other teams have talked about him because there have been too many times this season where I've texted you saying, why is Travis Kelsey open right now? (laughs) But it's not the other team's fault. I say that really in jest. It's because teams have to pick who is going to beat us. And the guy that they picked to beat them, thinking that he may not do it, still does. Because Tyreek Hill is a guy that lit up Tampa Bay last time around. Miko Hartman is a team is a guy who had issues against Buffalo. He fumbled. It led to a touchdown. And guess what he came back and did? Caught a touchdown pass and rattled off a big uh, jet sweep for like 50-plus yards to set up another score. Yep. Oh, and then there's Travis Kelsey, the guy in the middle, who apparently is hard to cover too. 
this is hard for other teams to game plan for. It is. I bring it back around to say this. I'm going with Kansas City only because, and this is nothing against Brady, because when it comes to being in the Super Bowl, it, it's Tom Brady as far as winning on average two out of three since he's won six out of nine, if you want to simplify the fraction, if you will. Shout out to my math majors. But I'm going with Kansas City because Patrick Mahomes so far is still the guy that no one's been able to give him that kill shot yet. No one's been able to literally put them out and keep them down. I got to go with with what I'm seeing in front of me. That's fair. I got to go with Tampa Bay because Tom Brady in the Super Bowl is hard to pick against. You've learned your lesson is what you're telling me. (laughs) You've learned from last week's montage and two weeks ago, and that's what you're telling me. Fair enough. At least, at least you are a studious person who learns from their mistakes. I give you credit for that. I think I've cheered against this guy so many times in my lifetime that I'm just being cursed now that I have to keep watching him in the Super Bowl. I mean, I've cheered against him my entire life since I've watched football. 2001 was whenever he played for the Patriots. Mm-hmm. And I've cheered against this guy my whole life. I got the question today. I was in a meeting, and I, I met somebody who's a Steeler fan, and she was asking me, how do you feel about Tom Brady? I said, I feel about Tom Brady the same way I feel about Sidney Crosby, the same way I feel about Derek Jeter, the same way I feel about Michael Jordan, and the same way I feel about Muhammad Ali. The people that hated him are the ones that couldn't beat them. Yep. That's that's pretty much it. That's how it was. If you didn't like them, it's because either you couldn't beat them or your guys couldn't beat them. Correct. That's pretty much what, or in Jeter and Brady's case, it's just like they have a lifestyle that you you'd kill your sibling for. Pretty much. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I've been coming around to the fact that I'm not going to get to watch this guy play football much more. And the people that go, oh, I can't wait for Brady to be done. I'm like, really? Because now, now that he's not a Patriot anymore, I'm like, you know what? I don't hate Tom Brady anymore. Yeah. I actually respect the guy for how old he is and still the numbers that he can put up and how he can turn a terrible franchise into a Super Bowl contender in one season. And oh yeah, by the way, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna use this for is this a thing? I'll trot it out now. He's talking about playing till 45. Yeah, and it could be a thing. It absolutely could. Why wouldn't it be? He's still winning. Still winning. <laughs> he still takes care of himself, and clearly with some of the throws he makes, he can still do it. Exactly. Until someone makes it physically impossible, or Father Time itself makes it physically impossible, why wouldn't he? Exactly. That's why I think they win this game. Seven out of ten for Brady. I think the defense is good enough to not stop, but to finally contain Kansas City. And I think Tampa Bay is going to get the final drive. They're going to show Brady warm up on the sidelines. They go, all right, here comes Tom Brady. And he's going to drive them down the field. They're going to kick a field goal, and they're going to win 31-28. They'll finally be the team that's good enough to beat the team that's been good enough to beat everybody else. That's a good way to look at it. I, I like that prediction. And if Kansas City wins, I agree with you 100%. Brady's passing the baton. It's like, all right, Mahomes... You are you are the guy now. And Mahomes might already be the guy now, but he still has to back it up. You got to win another one and I, another one and I another usually, one. I usually drop one wrestling reference per show. I'm going Ric Flair. To be the man, you got to beat the man. Right. If we're going to look at Patrick Mahomes as the man, the way we're going to do it sooner rather than later is by beating the man. If Mahomes can beat Brady, there is no question anymore. He is the guy in the league. He would be the Roman Reigns of the NFL. He would be he wouldn't be a good guy. He wouldn't be a bad guy. He would just be the guy. Yep. And beating Brady would do that. Right. Now, for with all that said, I want to see Kansas City turn it into a track meet because I really believe that's the only way they can win this game. 
But Tampa's going to make that hard to do because we talked about this. They're going to they're going to rush four guys. They may send a fifth just to mix things up. And the rest of it's going to be trying to contain that Kansas City offense for just enough, maybe four or five seconds, to get to Mahomes. The thing I'm worried about for Tampa Bay is can they do it long enough? And the answer to me is no, because if they can't do it deep, they're going to try to find ways to do it in open pockets of the field. Andy Reid's going to have something that Tampa Bay's not ready for. And honestly, I think this is crazy. People are going to think I'm nuts. Kansas City, 30. Tampa Bay, 21. Okay. That's where I'm going with this. I think and it's going to be one of those things where that kill shot comes at the end for Tampa Bay. That final thing that pushes it out of place or that pushes it maybe out of reach comes for for Kansas City. I really feel like Kansas City can win this game and they can win it by just being the team that people just can't seem to grasp that back heel and get to them before the finish line. I I'm so excited for this game, dude. This going to be good. <laughs> this is going to be one of the best Super Bowls. If it's not, we're going to be very disappointed next week on this show. But the hype that, like, Rams-Patriots got because, hey, the Rams, this defense, and Tom Brady, and for that game to be so bad, right? this is going to be different. And last year's Super Bowl was really good. Yes. With Jimmy Garoppolo, of all quarterbacks, to lead the 49ers, they stomp Green Bay in the NFC Championship and gets to it, and they take care of Kansas City for three and a half quarters, and then in that – Second half of the fourth quarter, it was uh, Kansas City's back in this game, and Kansas City has the lead, and Kansas City just put it away. It's wild because you and I are both ridiculously excited for this game, and I am in probably one of the worst Super Bowl conundrums ever. My in-laws are in town for the weekend. My mother-in-law, my father-in-law drove in from New Jersey. My sister-in-law flew in from Orlando. They're helping us with stuff around the house. They are, they're coming in to, to see – the, the latest iteration of the baby bump because my wife continues to just grow by the day because this kid's going to be freaking huge. <laughs> but they're, they're in town pretty much to help us get ready for everything we're facing for these last, you know, several weeks before this, this kid gets here. And I'm like, you guys know it's Super Bowl weekend, right? <laughs> like, I'll tell my wife, I was like, you know I'm watching the game, right? <laughs> this, this is happening. I'm going to be watching. <laughs> of all Super Bowls to miss. <laughs> This is not one of them. Brady versus Mahomes, you don't miss this game. No. This is a game that I will watch. I, I love my mother-in-law and father-in-law. They are amazing people. They are amazing uh, amazing in-laws to have. Love my sister-in-law. First shot at having a younger sister. I don't have any younger siblings. I'm the youngest of four. I don't have a younger sister, a younger, a younger sister because of my sister-in-law. Love my in-laws to death. But I'm watching this damn game. I'm sorry. <laughs> This game will be watched regardless of what is going on around me at home. It just has to happen. It does. And if and if they say anything, you're like, hey, I got to do it for the podcast. I, I'm, <laughs> and my wife is like, well, I know you have to watch it for work. I'm like, you're absolutely right. That's what I have to do. It's for the paycheck. Not for the entertainment at all. <laughs> we'll consider that a bonus. <laughs> but, yeah, that's, that's how that's going down. That's the conundrum I face. But I'm like, you know what? Got to take the shot on the on the on the jaw for this one because you can't miss this one. Yeah, and Super Bowl Sunday is just—it's crazy because you go a full week without football because the Pro Bowl doesn't matter, and right. there was no Pro Bowl this year. Right. And you go another full week without football, and then you're finally to Sunday, and they got six and a half hours of pregame until you can actually watch football. It's it is 
It is such a roller coaster and a circus. You're like, hey, is the game starting yet? It's like, oh, there's a concert on. What time is it? Oh, it's only three o'clock. I still got three and a half more hours until this game kicks off. It's torture, really. It, it, it is it torture. Really is torture. <laughs> because like... your entire Sunday is, I want to watch the Super Bowl. What can't I do right now? I can't watch, watch Super, Super Bowl, Bowl because it doesn't start till 6.30. It is literally a day full of night before Christmas. It is. Literally during the daytime. And you can't do anything about it. Yeah. And here's the difference is you know when Santa Claus is coming and you can't change it. Exactly. You know when Santa Claus is coming and you can't do a damn thing before he gets there. That's that's what this feels like. Even at 6.30, you're like... Now they're only doing the coin toss. I still got to wait 10 more minutes. Like, come on. <laughs> now, speaking of coin tosses and what time things are going to happen and what's going to happen specifically in this game, we have a list of prop bets that we will get to. We're going to get through that and talk about everything that's being laid on this game. We also have to talk about whether or not we're going to put money on these prop bets because I'm sitting there going, eh, maybe, maybe not. But that's that's just that's a discussion we'll have later on. We got to get into MLB. Big free agency announcement in baseball. Greg, I'm going to let you handle this one because I know you got to get this out. Oh, so you, the floor is yours, my friend. All right. So as a Mets fan, when I saw that Steve Cohen was taking over and his wallet was coming with him, it's like, wow, Mets might like buy a lot of guys. And I'm very excited. And they went and got Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco. I was like, hey, that's awesome. Huge get for them. Excellent trade. Not enough yet. And maybe I'm a little greedy because I said that, but at the same time, if you want to be a contender, you got to keep going. And George Springer's name came up. And I go, oh, George Springer in that outfield with Conforto and Brandon Nimmo. Oh, man, I love that idea. And then Springer took a lot more money to go play in Canada. Do I blame him? No, I don't. Blame Canada. (laughs) Yeah, blame Canada. I, I hate the Blue Jays, but I don't hate Springer for doing it. So I'm like, hey. More money to possibly get Trevor Bauer. And I keep looking, and I'm like, hey, this might actually be a reality. Trevor Bauer might be coming to the Mets. And then this week, Twitter was just insane. Oh, God. Every MLB insider, the Mets and Trevor Bauer are talking, and talks are increasing, and it's looking like it's going to be a done deal by the end of the week. I'm like, dude, this is happening. They're going to have to Grom, Trevor Bauer, Thor, Marcus Stroman, and Carlos Carrasco in their rotation. Mm. Then we get to Thursday night. Bob Nightingale tweets, the Mets and Trevor Bauer have reached an agreement. I'm like, dude, it happened. Yes, Trevor Bauer's a Met. A minute later, Met insiders. Yeah, that didn't happen. <laughs> like, Josh, why are they toying with me? You're like, ah, just give it some time, you know? Yeah, Lucy pulled the football. Yeah, exactly. I don't yeah. know who Bob Nightingale's person was, but this isn't the first time this has happened. And I will talk about this more, and is this a thing? <laughs> wow. I, I will say this much. And so then, today comes, we're recording this on Friday, and it says Mets and Trevor Bauer. The Mets gave Bauer a deadline, 12 o'clock noon, Eastern Standard Time. you got to make a decision. And Bauer trolled the entire fan base by sending out a Mets signed hat. I'm like, oh my goodness, it happened. He's coming to the Mets to then see a video saying, I'm coming home. Two and a half minutes long, Trevor Bauer. And then John Heyman, nail in the coffin, Trevor Bauer is going to the Dodgers. How did this happen? How? 
How did he go from, I'm going to the Mets, the Mets are going to get power, and then, nope. I'll tell you how. Because the Dodgers are the World Series champions, and they're already loaded. He's a California guy. He went to UCLA. Yep. He was the best guy you could get in the offseason, other than George Springer, I would say. And the Dodgers needed to load up because of what the Padres were doing. And they also, I will say this much, the Dodgers were in a position. They were really in the best position of of anybody. As great as it sounded on paper, or it's just as great as it looked on paper and sounded in theory for the Mets to get a guy like Trevor Bauer, the Dodgers could seriously just play the back of the room and not really try. Like, the Mets were the guy that is actively chasing the girl. Yes. (laughs) The Dodgers were the guy that everybody knows is popular. Everybody thinks he's cute. Probably has himself a nice, if not a, a, a decent, probably maybe more of a classic car. Dresses real nice. Plays on two or three different teams. Probably going to go to a good school and get pay, get get money to do it. He's not going to pay for college ever. Why are you describing the guy that stole every girl I had a crush on in high school? That's, that's pretty much where I'm going with this. And as much work as the Mets put in and as much as they were, you know, let's go let's go get to get together and study for the big test or you know let, let's get together after school and we can you know maybe go go get some coffee or something we can hang out and talk or spending spending time talking on the phone or back in that, in those days if you were me in that time period I'm going to date myself and say it was on maybe on AOL instant messenger <laughs> you're putting that time in my 80s babies know what I'm talking about hey I use that there you go <laughs> like you, you're putting that time in you're putting that time in you're like all right I'm a and, and that time for the dance is coming up. I'm going to ask her out to the dance. I'm going to ask her out. We've been hanging out. I know she likes me. I'm going to ask her out. We're going to go. And then you go and ask her out, and she goes, oh, I'm already decided I'm going with the Dodgers. <laughs> Dodgers are just like, dude, I got a car. I look better in a suit. What are you thinking? Like, seriously. I'm <laughs> I'm going to start the homecoming game and probably throw the, the game-winning touchdown pass. Like, of course she's going to the dance with me. That was the Dodgers. You mentioned it. Trevor Bauer, L.A. guy. World Series reigning defending World Series champions. And, oh, yeah, by the way, cherry on top, they just happened to make him the highest-paid player in MLB in 2021. Yeah. That's hard to say no to. It really is. The Dodgers, (laughs) for all intents and purposes, right now in MLB, the Dodgers are Mr. Steal Your Girl. That's who they are, and that's what they did to the Mets. And it's a thing. It's Not even is this a thing. It is a thing. It's definitely a thing. Because they do it time and time again. They do. Mookie Betts. They went and got him. They knew that they needed him, and they went and got him. Literally anybody at the trade deadline, the Dodgers go, hey, what do we need right now? Oh, we need that? All right, let's go get it. And nine times out of ten, they're going to get it. In this situation, it was who had more money and who looked more appealing. The Mets are trying to build something right now. Lindor was the huge in because him and Bauer were boys in Cleveland. Right. But it wasn't enough because the Dodgers, like you said, or the chalk in high school that everybody goes, hey, I want that. Because the Dodgers don't need to build. The Dodgers are very much built. Everything is on point. They are they are built. They are newly renovated. Everything is new. The, the paint is fresh. The crown molding looks nice. They got the nice backsplash in the kitchen. They got the nice big square shower that you see all the time on HGTV. You know, they got the his and her sinks. You know, the, 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 uh, the mirror shows... Uh, you can do, like, the workouts in the mirror and all that fun stuff. That's the Dodgers right now. And you can live in L.A. And you can live in L.A. <laughs> Granted, that house in L.A. is going to cost you, like, $13 million, 
But if you're making 40, it ain't going to matter. <laughs> if you're making 40 in one season for Trevor Bauer, a $13 million crib ain't going to matter. You're going to live there anyway. And, and like, you look at, he probably thought, yeah, baseball in April. Do I want to be in Queens or do I want to be in Los Angeles? <laughs> I, I, it seems easy to me. Chavez Ravine in April probably sounds a lot better than Queens. It That's does. just me. And I say that as a guy whose wife was actually born in Queens. Nothing against Queens. Chavez Ravine sounds a lot better in April. It does. It does. And to be teammates with Clayton Kershaw and Walker Bueller, to be a part of that kind of rotation. Now, when I said the Mets were going to have the best rotation in baseball, the Dodgers stole that too. Yeah. They just stole that title too. Yeah. There's there's nothing. <laughs> I, I'm trying to think of what this team doesn't have right now. And they don't have anything that they, they don't have. They don't like. <laughs> Here's the thing that should really scare you about the Dodgers. What if Kenley Jansen figures it out again? I know. Because he had probably, and probably, it's definitely, because before last year he was lights out. 2020 was his worst year as a closer. And he only had to play in 60 games. He only played 60 games. And he did enough still for them to win. Exactly. So just imagine if he figures it out yep. behind the new best rotation in the game for the reigning defending World Series champions and the newly crowned Mr. Steel Yo Girl. Imagine if Kenley Jansen figures it out. And they're bringing literally everybody back except Justin Turner, and they might bring him back too. That is unless the Brewers can snatch him, but it just seems like the Dodgers will probably do the same thing all over. Yeah, and if they don't get Turner, they'll be like, okay, who's the next best third baseman? Okay, they might get Chris Bryant for all I care. I mean, they, they might. They can do whatever they want because they're the Dodgers. And they also have a pretty good farm system, too. I mean, you look at this team and the guys that they were possibly going to trade the Pirates for Felipe Vasquez at the time, Mm -hmm. and you go, hey, Gavin Lux, hey, Dustin May. Lux is going to be in AAA. Mm -hmm. Dustin May is now going to be a middle reliever because he's not even going to be in the rotation anymore because they just added Bauer to it. And if one of those guys in rotation gets hurt. He's next up. He's the next guy in line. (laughs) No big deal. It's game over. Unbelievable. I, I can't. If you're a betting man, I would put my money on the Dodgers and call it a day. Yeah. <laughs> They're probably going to win it again. The crazy part about it was outside of the Dodgers, I saw two teams as legit threats to the Dodgers before this happened. One of them was the Mets and the other one was the Braves. And neither of those teams are deep enough to do what the Dodgers can do. Neither yep. of them. Yep. The Yankees are too old with some of these pitchers they have. I don't think they can keep up. And they just lost Tanaka. He left. He went back to Japan. So now they're, I mean, yeah, they did add Tyone, though. That was a pretty big ad for them. Now, as much as Pirate fans don't want to hear this, if you are if you feel that much better about a Tyone and Cole pairing in New York, I still don't know if they have enough. And this is crazy to think that the Yankees don't have enough. Right. Because the Dodgers are the team that has the embarrassment of riches. That's I guess it's not that surprising, but the fact that the Yankees are, are that aren't that loaded up. But here's the thing. The Yankees are a team that's still built to be good long term because they've still got some really good young talent. Right. So they might be down now, but they won't be down for a long time. But I say all that trying to think through my head, who's a team in the American League that can actually run with the Dodgers right now? Seven game series, who in the American League is beating this team? Maybe Tampa. Does Tampa get? Give- See, I don't think it's even Tampa anymore. They got rid of. They got rid of Blake Snell. They traded Blake Snell. They traded him to San Diego. Yes. So it's like, is it really? Is it really Tampa anymore? Can they really show up and be that team again? I'm not so sure. And if it's not Tampa, and it's not the Yankees, I don't think it's Minnesota. Cleveland unloaded Lindor and Carrasco. Yep. 
they're in rebuild mode. Who is it? Is it the White Sox? Are the White Sox really that good yet? They've built up a lot. Right. They got a lot of talent that they're building their core around. Is it the White Sox yet? I don't know. I think it's the Twins if they can add some more pieces. They need some pitching, I think. And I think Jake Odorizzi is definitely out now, and he's looking at another team. Other teams are looking at him. Right. So they're probably going to lose him. Yeah, I think it's the White Sox or the Twins. The, the Yankees probably make a run, but I don't think they're good enough. To, I don't think Toronto is there yet. Toronto is trying to be that team, but I don't think they're here, they're there yet. Maybe at the trade deadline they add on, but how do you afford to just keep adding on after you just paid Springer all that money? It's I don't see it being possible. I just don't see it being possible. Now we talked about we just talked about the trade that the Rays made. To get rid of Blake Snell. Right. There is a team that you could probably blame for the Dodgers being what they are right now. And that's the team that Blake Snell went to. That might be the one team in the National League that could create the most problems for the Dodgers. That's the San Diego Padres. And how often have you and I talked about the Padres and how good they could be? A lot. And here's the thing. That Blake Snell trade, him going to San Diego made San Diego's rotation really, really, really good. And if you're the Dodgers and you're going, there's no way that we can let this team one-up us in talent and pitching. Or, if you want to be more specific, there's no way they can one-up us in kids and pitching. Right. And San Diego was on the verge of doing that. Right. And then the Dodgers said, you know what? Let's go get Trevor Bauer and get this thing. Let's get this thing over with. Let's get this thing cemented. I honestly, and I'm saying this in the most respectful way possible, the Padres had to push the Dodgers to get to where they are. Otherwise, we could be talking about the Dodgers being the team that had everything going their way and blew it to a younger team spending a ton less money. But the Padres pushed them to that limit to where they had to go pay Trevor Bauer $40 million next year and be the head and shoulders above team. Yeah, they had to. They made too many moves. And the Dodgers had to come back with moves themselves because <clears throat> you look at the the matchups now we're going to see. Kershaw's probably going to face like you Darvish or right. I forgot about you Darvish. Yeah, they have Darvish too, by the Yikes. way. Yikes! And they have Paddock as well. I mean, <laughs> you're going to have some unreal pitching matchups when the Dodgers play the Padres. Demelson Lamette is in the back end of your rotation. Yeah, and he was awesome last year. Looks like, and this is just coming down here, as we're actually recording this right now, John Morosi from MLB.com, looks like the Braves got Marcelo Zuna back. Okay. I was thinking that that was going to happen. I didn't think they were going to let him go. Tampa Bay was trying to get him, but I didn't think Atlanta would let them because he was such a big part to that team last year. And that's a four-year deal, too. That's a nice wow. That's a nice get for them. You get that guy back, and Atlanta looks a lot better right now on paper. Shout out to Steve Banco. I'm sure he's happy. <laughs> but, yeah, that, that becomes – those are the three teams we're talking about. They're their biggest threats to the Dodgers. Padres, Braves, Mets. That's it. The Mets are finally in the conversation. The Mets are in the conversation. <laughs> they, they, they've gotten an invite to the party. But Now they're going to Mets it all up. That's what they do. <laughs> they're going to Mets it all up. But I'll, I'll ask this one question before I yield this conversation. Okay. Is there still a possibility that out of the National League Central, after a move that they have recently made, could the Cardinals, with the newly acquired Nolan Arenado, find another way to be very, very cardinally yet again? Could they possibly 
find a way to do this thing one more time. Do we have to open up this box? I... <laughs> yes, absolutely. They have Goldschmidt and Arenado on the same team. That's their corners. How do you pull that off? How are you? How are you, Colorado? You make that move and you go, oh yeah, by the way, we'll pay for majority of his contract too. That was the whole reason nobody wanted him because they didn't want to pay for that contract. But the, Cardinals, the but the Cardinals of all teams found a way. Is there a better team on the corners right now? <clears throat> no. I mean, well, no. I mean, the, the Padres have Machado and Hosmer, but I wouldn't put them over Goldschmidt and Arenado. Me neither. I can't. Now, Machado and, Machado and Arenado, if you want to have that debate, you can yes. because that that's a good debate to have because I'd make the argument since since Nolan Arenado's been in the league, there's only a couple other third basemen that might be on that same level with Arenado and Manny Machado's one of them. Yes. But that's pretty much it. It's probably him. Um, I'd make a case. I'd make a case for like a Josh Donaldson for the small period of time between Atlanta and Toronto. That's yes. a case you can make. Yep. But there aren't many guys that you say, you know what, I don't know. But right now, I don't see a better team on the corners, first base and third base. I don't either. I I'm trying to think, and I don't see it. There are there are some really good third basemen and first basemen in this league, but to have Goldschmidt, who we've woken up before, the beast. Yeah, we're not I'm doing sure, that again. I'm sure we're gonna wake up Arenado. He's gonna be struggling. Like, and you know, Arenado's hitting like 152 in the last two weeks. I will not be the one to point that out. <laughs> not me. I no, saw that guy. We can't do that. Was it seven years ago? No, I'm wrong. It was nine years ago, I believe, I saw him in AA. And we knew then how good he would be. I'll, I'll tell you right now. There were three guys we saw in the minors in AA covering the Texas League. And we're looking at them going, these guys are going to be good. One was George Springer. One was Yerickson Profar. And one was Nolan Arenado. We saw those three, and we're like, those three guys are all going to be really, really good. And if I'm not mistaken, Erickson Profar is on that team that can give the Dodgers all kinds of problems, yep. being with the Padres. They brought him back. They brought him back. Those are three guys I looked at in A, and we're going, those are major league guys. I'd even make an argument for Sonny Gray being one of those guys. I'd make an argument that your Donna Ventura was one of those guys. Rest in peace. You saw him and go, he's going to be good. Yep. That might be the five that I look at all together and say, those five guys, having seen them in the Texas League, these five guys are going to be good. And those three are those three position guys are all living up to the billing. No doubt. I'm looking forward to more hot stove talk because football's wrapping up after Sunday. We're going to be all in on baseball, hot stove, and looking at these teams like we just did here because there's going to be a lot more moves. And we're going to go, hey, how does this affect this team now and what does this do for baseball? So, why, I'm looking Greg, forward to and it. why are we looking forward to it? Because we love baseball, Because Josh. we love baseball. If you know, you know. In the meantime, we will take a break. When we come back, we got to go over prop bets for the Super Bowl. We will play our favorite news headline game, Is This a Thing, before we close this thing out. Episode 3 of the Sunday Morning Grind. Stick around. Welcome back to the Sunday Morning Grind Podcast, Episode 3, Super Bowl Edition, and some MLB hot stove because we like baseball. (laughs) It's time to go over the prop bet scorecard. This is always fun, even if you're not into betting. 
and losing money. Uh, it's fun to just look at these prop bets and score it, and we'll definitely uh, keep score of ours, and next week we'll talk about how we did. How about and, that? And betting and losing money is synonymous. So they're, they're very synonymous uh, words. And I'm, I imagine at some point we'll say, yeah, I decided to put money down on this one. It's going to happen. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, I'm wondering the extent of the conversation, how far it goes, how ridiculous we went, or how ridiculous lengths we went just to fail miserably. It's going to happen. I'm going to have to tell you some that my friends did because I am not doing any of these. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> I'm saving my money. I'm holding you to this one. I'm holding you to that promise. Okay. I mean, I have Kansas City to win me some money or Tampa Bay to win me some money, and I'm happy with that. Smart and man. So I'm good with it. So I'm going to win either way. Very smart man. All I right. Like it. Opening coin toss. Tails has been winning, what, four straight times. Heads or tails, Josh? Heads. Josh goes with heads. I go with tails because tails never fails. Ah, as the last four Super Bowls have evidence, clearly. <laughs> Watch it fail this well played. time. Well played. As soon it, as I say that, I'm going to be wrong. <laughs> because that's how this show works. Correct. We say one thing that happens and the opposite happens. That's Aaron, how it goes. Aaron Rodgers. Exactly. <laughs> what will happen first, a touchdown or a quarterback being sacked, Josh? Believe it or not, I will go with sack happening first. Really? Yes, especially if Kansas City gets the ball first. Because Kansas City's got some issues on the offensive line as far as injuries. And they may not have their best unit at full strength out there. And it may be a little bit more complicated for Mahomes to have enough time to make a play. Now, that doesn't mean they won't score a touchdown on that first drive. But I think the likelihood of a sack happening on that first drive just became a little bit higher just given the issues that the Chiefs have personnel-wise. I think the opposite. I think if Brady gets the ball first, a sack will occur. Because Kansas City got some pretty good pressure on him the last time. True. So I'm going. I'm going with sack as well. Okay. Watch us both get that one. Wrong. I figured you first, would pick touchdown. First play nice. of the game, Mahomes, Tyree Kill, seventy-five yard. Like, yeah. I'm glad I didn't put money on that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. That's how we do things here. Will game be tied after zero-zero? So if it's three nothing, will it become three-three, or will it never be tied? Josh? This could easily be a game that matches touchdowns. Because this, if it turns into a track meet, this could be one of those games. This is one of those bets I say yes and don't even blink. It's same, yes. Same. Same here. Total passing yards by Patrick Mahomes. This is always just so ridiculously high, and you go, oh, there's no way, and then he does it. Yep. Over or under 331 and a half? I am going to go. I've been thinking a lot about this because in that first meeting, if you remember the first game, the Chiefs put up 543 total yards. And Hill had 262 of them. And Mahomes threw for 456. <laughs> yeah. Win or lose. You figure in a win, I could see them right around 330. So I originally wrote this down as under. But if they lose this game, he could surpass 350 without blinking. Because they're probably going to have to throw the ball more and with greater urgency to score points. I had under before. I think I'm going over okay. for passing yards by Patrick Mahomes. Over 331, 331 and a half. I'll take the over as well, just because I think Brady is going to be matching him or Mahomes has to match Brady. Brady's such a good competitor for him that he's going to have to keep throwing the ball. I think, that, I think that's a good way to look at it. Total touchdown passes by Mahomes. Over, under is two and a half. Over. Yeah. He's got too many weapons to not throw the ball to. I agree. I won't be surprised if we're talking Tyreek Hill with one, Travis Kelsey with one, 
and we'll see if Miko Hartman gets his hands on one. Now, if you told me he gets one rushing, I wouldn't be shocked at that either. Same. Receptions by Tyreek Hill, the over-under is six and a half. As much as Tampa Bay will try to game plan to make sure Tyreek Hill does not kill them the second time. They can't. I don't think you can prevent him from getting his hands on the ball that much, especially if he's making so much of an impact on underneath routes, which is what I think they will try to do to get him loose. And if they can do that, then it opens up the opportunity to go deep. So I will say over. I will say over as well. It's Tyreek Hill. That's hard to contain. Receptions by Kelsey over seven and a half or under seven and a half. I'll go under seven and a half on this one, but he will he he could I shouldn't say he will. He could make a couple big impact catches though in the middle of the field. One of them probably being a touchdown. I'll say under seven and a half, but he still has a monster game. I'm taking the over because I don't think Tampa Bay has anybody that can actually cover this guy. That's fair. The the tight end position is already tough to stop, but if you put Travis Kelsey that's going to be really tough to stop. So I'm going with over. And I would also say don't forget Tampa Bay's talent tight end. They're really deep at the tight end position, and they got some difficult guys to cover too. Same. I agree. Team to score longest touchdown, Chiefs or Bucks? I will go Bucks on this one. Uh, and people are going to look at me crazy thinking that it should be the Chiefs. I'm going to go Bucks simply because I can see another Scotty Miller-type touchdown happen. I was just going to say, do you think Scotty Miller-type thing happens again? But here's the thing. I don't think it's just Scotty Miller. They can do it with Scotty Miller. They can do it with Chris Godwin, and they can do it with Mike Evans. The question is, will it be the Mike Evans that can pull in every ball thrown within his radius, or is it the Mike Evans that's going to drop every other ball thrown within his radius? If the first guy shows up, it could be him too. I'll take Kansas City. I think Tyreek Hill's going to do Tyreek Hill things, and they're going to get him deep for, uh, you know, just a straight-up fly route and 80 yards. And here's the frustrating part. We say longest touchdown. It could very easily be a catch-and-run where he catches like maybe a, a five-yard yard slant. It could be like a three- to five-yard slant, and then he runs the other 75 to 78 that you just talked about. You're going to be so mad. You're going to text me like, did you really just get a point from that? Like, sure did. Like, you just got a point from a 75-yard catch-and-run, seriously? I hope it's a bubble screen. Seriously, 80-yard touchdown in like 78 of it was yak. Come on. We'll be like, I think that might have been a backwards pass. Nope. (laughs) Unbelievable. That would totally happen. Or or like they're going to do a double reverse and Kelsey's going to throw the touchdown. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that could totally happen. Absolutely could happen. Longest reception by Hill, over or under 27 and a half? Based on the previous conversation, we can agree it's over, right? Yeah, it's like whenever we were doing hot sheet, I'm going to be like, all right, on the count of three, one, two, three, Patriots. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I can't wait till hot sheet picks come back. First, fun. first to- turnover of game will be fumble or pick? It'll be a pick. Yeah. These two defenses have very opportunistic defensive backs. They also have guys up front that can create some problems for the quarterbacks and maybe force a bad decision or two or maybe force a bad ball. And if if, if Tampa Bay gets their hands on a Patrick Mahomes throwing ball, which does not happen a lot, by the way, but they're really good at snagging tip balls out of the air in Tampa Bay. Right. I agree. I have the same one. First score of game will be touchdown or field goal slash safety. This is going to sound strange because I just talked about this game possibly being the track meet. I'm going to go field goal safety. You're, I think You're baking on that safety, aren't I, you? I'm, I'm baking on the field goal. I think the first team that scores will get a field goal. I think these two offenses and defenses will try to feel themselves out. They'll try to try to feel each other out. First round of a heavyweight fight, neither one's going to overcommit just to see what the other one might do. 
And that because of that, the team that gets the ball first or that scores first might fall short just by an inch or two, maybe a drop pass, maybe a penalty holds them back on third down, and they end up kicking for three. But I'll say field goal. I like that call. I'm going to take the touchdown, though, because I just think that whoever gets the ball first wants to set the, set the pace, and they're going to go for a touchdown. Fair Will enough. either team score three straight times? This one was confusing because it says excludes extra points and two-point conversions includes safeties. So I had to read over that a few different times, and I thought about it. I'm like, it's Tampa Bay and Kansas City. Someone scores three straight times, this game is over, and I think it's going to be closer than that. So my answer was immediately no. So what if Kansas City scores, then Tampa Bay scores, then Kansas City scores, then Tampa Bay scores, then Kansas City scores? Isn't that three straight times? I don't know. That's what I was confusing. Does it mean like – Or does it mean that you hold them to no points and then you score again in the next drive? Right. Or like do you score three straight times uninterrupted? Is it unanswered? Is it three times in just three straight possessions? I See, and yes is minus 185. So my guess is that they're saying – you score three straight possessions, no matter if you give up points or not. If that is the case, we both say yes. Then we both say yes. Yeah. Yes, okay. agreed. Yeah. Looking at looking at the odds, the fact that no is plus one sixty five, I'm thinking that it's supposed to be a yes. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to agree with that. Team to make the first field goal of the game is Kansas City, just because I think they'd get in the red zone first. I, I think they're more capable. I agree with you. Watch, watch Tampa Bay get in the field goal range and he misses it. We both go, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> At the same time, Kansas City also has Harrison Butker. Yeah, who was Mr. Automatic in the regular season. But what's what's the one length that he can't make it from? Is it 31 yards? Yeah, it's something really short. I think if it's 31, then that he might make us look stupid. So there's that. He's in Tampa. There's no reason why he should miss one <laughs> in Tampa Bay weather. True. <laughs> Total passing yards by TB12, Tom Brady. Over, under, 306 and a half. Over. Just out of necessity alone. Even if he wins his game or loses it, he's going to have to throw a lot to win it. I agree. It's kind of it's kind of insulting that Mahomes gets 331 and a half and Brady. Oh, yeah. Right. Only 306 for the GOAT. It's like, oh, yeah. all right. <laughs> he can still make the throws, people. He can yeah. still make them. Exactly. You see him light up New Orleans and how many th- times he threw deep? He can make those throws. Yep. He made them against Green Bay, too. Total completions by Brady over, under, 25 and a half. That's a lot. That is a lot. I will say, I don't know why I had to circle this under. I'm going to go over in this one because he's going to throw the ball. You figure he'll throw the ball at least 30 to 35 times, and we've learned that Brady can be very devastatingly accurate, especially if he's working well underneath. So I will go over. I'll take the over as well. Receptions by Evans over under four and a half. Um, Remember I was talking about the, the, you didn't know which Mike Evans will see, the one that either can't, be stopped at catching anything or the one that can't hold it in. Right. I'm counting on the latter. I'll say under. I'll say the under as well. I think he only gets like two or three, and they're all going to be deep balls, like right. jump ball in the end zone type play. I think Kansas City is going to make a very concerted effort trying to limit what he can do downfield. Same. Which means that our receptions by Chris Godwin will be over. Both over. <laughs> yes, exactly. And that's not just because of Mike Epps. That's because of the fact that Chris Godwin has been really, really good, especially in the second half of the season. Going into the playoffs, Chris Godwin's been pretty hard to stop. He has. He's been really hard to stop. Of course, we both had him in fantasy, and he didn't do anything in the regular season for us. Oh, of course not. We won't talk about that. Yeah, we're not bitter <laughs> at all. Total rushing yards by Leonard Fournette. This one is interesting. Over under 48 and a half. I will say over because if Tampa gets in some third and short situations, it'll be largely because of Fournette, and they may convert them because of Fournette. All right. 
I'm going to take the under because they go running back by committee, and I think Ronald Jones could steal some of those carries. That's true. That's true. That's the only reason why. I think Fournette could definitely do it, but if they if they go running back by committee, that'll be tougher. I will say this. Fournette, he can break one. If you give him one, he can break it. Yeah, no doubt. And he had that nasty spin move on Green Bay and two weeks ago. There you see where I'm going with yep, this. Yep. There you go. Total sacks, over, under four. Over. Okay. These two defenses might have four apiece. Wow. Because I, I say that for two reasons. One, these teams are going to throw a lot of times. So yeah. there's going to be more opportunities for it to happen. If anything, that's what one thing I sit on. But, yeah, they can they can combine for definitely over four sacks. I'm going to say over as well. Same reason. All right. Final, what, four, three? No. Yes. We got a couple more. Uh, the uh, Who will have more? Receiving yards for Tyreek Hill or in Heat versus Knicks, total points by the Heat? Um, receiving yards by Tyreek Hill, just for everything we talked about previously. Yeah, he had uh, 13 catches for 269 yards when they played each other. Yeah. <laughs> and even if he gets half of that, he could probably still outscore the Heat. Yeah, the Heat, the Heat played more defense than they do offense. So There you go. So we're both going with Tyreek Hill on that one. The total kickoffs by Chiefs Buccaneers or points scored by LaMelo Ball. Which one will be higher? Mm. I'm taking LaMelo. I'm taking LaMelo, too, because that's a lot of kickoffs. I can't see them kicking the ball off 20 times a piece. Yeah. Or 20 times altogether, 10 times Same. a piece. That's Same. hard to believe. Same. And LaMelo can get a triple-double and put up 25 to 30 points. Exactly. <laughs> All right, last one. Completions by Tom Brady or points by Paul George. Who gets more? You're the Paul George guy. You tell me. You're the guy that got Paul George in fantasy. You tell me. They're playing the Kings in this matchup. I'm taking Paul George because this guy can put up like 44 points. I I got Paul George too because Paul George, for some odd reason, showed up this season, was not able to miss shots. Yeah. And he's done it. He's done it way too many times. Yep. No doubt. All right. That's our prop bet segment. Going to play the music now, and Josh can take it away. You know the music, and you hear the music, so you know what time it is. It is time for our favorite news headline game. Is this a thing? For those who are not familiar, if this is your first time listening to the show, let me remind you of the rules. And if you haven't listened to them for a while, let me remind you of the rules. Greg and I, we go through some things that we see during the week, whether it's headlines, whether it's topics, whether it's something that's been said, whether it's something that's happened or something that we think might happen. And we ask ourselves, is this a thing? Is this something to really pay attention to? Is this something worth really giving a lot of thought? Or is it fake news? And that is the impetus of this very game. We will start. Greg, when we talk about college football, we've talked about Alabama and how good they were. How good this offense was. How good Najee Harris is. How much both of us would like to see Najee Harris in a Steelers uniform, but I digress. Oh. And how good Devontae Smith was all year. Well, here's the interesting part. Talking about Devontae Smith, Nick Saban has done something that I didn't think was possible. He has gone from one talented player named Devontae Smith, who is probably going to be a top 10, if not top 15 pick in the NFL draft, to finding another talented player named Devontae Smith. And this is according 
to Justin Smith from Touchdown Alabama Magazine. He's the lead scouting and recruiting analyst. And he mentioned Nick Saban signs another loaded defensive back class. This was tweeted earlier this week. And among that talented defensive back class, by the way, six defensive backs, two five-stars, four four-stars defensive backs recruited and signed by Alabama. At the bottom of this tweet is a four-star defensive back named, I kid you not, Devontae Smith, spelled exactly the same, D-E-V-O-N-T-A Smith. Greg, my question, Nick Saban bringing another monster named Devontae Smith to Alabama. Is this a thing? It's not only a thing, but we're going to have Herb Street and Fowler or uh, uh, Nestler and Danielson going, didn't they already have a guy named Devontae Smith that was really good? <laughs> I'm waiting for the um, I'm waiting for the college football game day graphic with the tail of the tape of the two Devontae Smiths. Yes, that's, that's going to happen. That's going to be a thing. This is totally a thing. It's scary too. <laughs> it's it's very scary. It's like Saban googled, "Hey, Devontae Smith, oh, four star recruit. Yep, bring him over." <laughs> there are some things, the dark side of the force, that can be done that some would call unnatural. Nick Saban, Sith Lord. So I'm saying. It's a thing. It's a thing. <laughs> okay, I talked about this earlier in the podcast about Bob Nightingale saying that Bauer was going to the Mets. <laughs> I knew this was coming. So, uh, dude, you know, you knew as soon as I texted you yesterday that I was angry about this. Oh, yeah, you were visibly angry. Without even seeing it in the text, you were visibly angry. So not only did he anger Mets fans, but backup catcher Thomas Nito even tweeted Bro, what is this at Bob Nightingale or bro, what up Nightingale or something like that? I thought it was WTF Bob. Yeah, that might be it. He might have just called him Bob. Yeah, he's yeah. WTF Bob. <laughs> Bob Nightingale angering not only the Mets fan base, but also the players. And now it's even more, I'm guessing, Josh. <laughs> oh, they're furious. It's a thing. It, I imagine Mets fans and players alike are furious at this point. This is totally a thing. What's funny is how many people I saw that I follow that are Mets fans or have Mets blogs tweet out pictures of them blocking Bob Nightingale wow. on Twitter. They're <laughs> just like, I'm done. I'm done. I unfollowed wow. him. I was like, this is the last straw for me. He has done this too many times, Josh. Wow. Where he gets my hopes up. And I go, oh, Nightingale said this is happening. And then other reporters go, yeah, I don't know where Bob got that from, but it's not happening. Wow. That's a thing. <laughs> that sounds like a thing to me. It is. All right, let's keep this rolling. Another thing that you look at and say, wait a minute, and this this could be something where Steelers fans might be maybe angry with one of their own alumni. Andrew Filippone tweeted this out. Um, if I recall this correctly, uh, former Steelers defensive back JT Thomas, multiple-time Super Bowl winner, I believe joined them on the PM team. And JT Thomas talked about the Steelers defense and said, quote, they don't have a leader. But that's not the thing. That stands out to me. The thing that stands out to me is the response from defensive lineman Cam Hayward, who says, thank you for that. But my question, according to what JT Thomas, former Steeler defensive back, says, the Steelers' defense lacking a leader. Greg, is this a thing? I don't believe it is. I think it all starts with Cam Hayward. I think that's why he said something. Yes. But I think Cam is the leader in that in that uh, locker room. Yes. There's no doubt that it's Cam TJ, and maybe a Joe Hayden or Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, you and I talked about this. Not only is this not a thing, it is resoundingly not a thing. 
Cam Hayward has been the leader of this defense for at least the last four to five seasons, and it hasn't been questioned. He has been that guy. He was groomed to be that guy from the time he came here. Everybody understands Cam Hayward's pedigree. He's a leader on this defense. TJ Watt, since the day he showed up, him and Cam Hayward hit on the same note, and they have both been the same guy. They have led by word, and they have led by deed. And TJ Watt is on the precipice of possibly being named this weekend the NFL Defensive Player of the Year. And I think there's a reason behind that. So that's two. We You mentioned Joe Hayden, who was a veteran guy in that locker room, and then everybody respects him. That makes at least three for me. And then you go to a possible fourth in Minka Fitzpatrick, who's a guy who puts a lot of work in the film room, who's naturally gifted, but really kind of accentuates it by the work that he puts in to be prepared in every way possible. And you can't tell me that doesn't resonate around the room. So I'm looking at at least four defense, at least four leaders on this defense alone. There's no way this is a thing. I'm kind of surprised, too, that people are going after the defense. Why? Yeah. Defense, that, by they, the way. What did they do wrong this year? <laughs> third in total points. Third in total yards. Second in takeaways. First in sacks. How could that group lack a leader? Yeah. What more do you need? Now, if you want to tell me that they lacked their linchpin when Devin Bush got hurt, I'll listen to that argument. Yep. Lacking leaders? No. Okay, we got time for probably two more. The <clears throat> the NBA has talked about having an All-Star game this year. Uh-oh. There are some NBA players that are not happy about this, and one of them being the face of the NBA and LeBron James. And I quote, zero energy, zero interest. LeBron James shutting down the entire All-Star game possibility. Is this a thing? If there is one man who can shut down the NBA All-Star game, it is LeBron James. I will say the possibility is a thing. That's scary. If he doesn't play, no one's watching. If he doesn't play, other guys may not play. Right. It might come down to dudes that who, who had the first opportunity to do it. Exactly. Other than that, guys who have been in like eight or more, they're like, LeBron ain't going. I mean... That's one of those things that's like, oh, we're having some people. Oh, who who all over there? Oh, LeBron's not coming? Oh, okay, never mind. I'll, I'll stay home. <laughs> that's what it feels like. It, it does. It feels like a thing. I agree. And I kind of hope that they don't have one. I think I think the All-Star game has become a joke where they only play in the fourth quarter. Right. And with COVID and everything, just give the guys a week off, let them relax. And then go pick up the se- go pick back up the season for the second half. I got three. Th- I got three words. If they do play the NBA All Star Game, bet the over. That's it. Just bet the over because they're gonna they're gonna crush it because they're gonna they're gonna smash three hundred points. It's just how it works. Yep. Very very interesting piece from former Steelers quarterback Cordell Stewart in the Players Tribune. Really chronicling his time and his struggles here in Pittsburgh. I won't go into detail because that's not really the impetus of this question right now. But if you haven't read it yet, Players Tribune. Cordell Stewart, go read it. It's really, really good. But the one time, he, one thing he did point out over time, and I thought that was a great part of this piece, 46-29 and 29 as a quarterback, and he pretty much said, you know, I did most of that out of the eye formation. I was ahead of my time. Cordell Stewart is a na- uh, National Football League quarterback who was ahead of his time, Greg. Is this a thing? It is a thing. That's why they had to play him in the position they did where he was Cordell slash Stewart. Because he was a different type of player. Most of those quarterbacks in that time, John Elway, Dan Marino, Jim Kelly, were drop-back quarterbacks 
that weren't runners like Cordell was. And like you said, I formation and the way that and how he was so successful, 46 and 29, and what, lost to the Broncos in the AFC Championship. John Elway at the end of his career. And he lost to the Patriots in the AFC Championship. Where Brady left and, Bl- and Bledsoe had to come in and clean it up. Yeah. That's a pretty good resume and what, 46 and 29. So the end of John Elway and the beginning of Belichick Brady. Those seem like two legit championship game losses to me. That's all I'm saying. Yep. I'll make two points because I know we're short on time. Point number one, we're talking about late 90s, right? Mid to late 90s. There was another quarterback that was playing around the same time who threw pretty well and can also run pretty well. And we don't give him enough run as being a guy who was capable as a running quarterback. And that guy was Steve Young. Right. So if you can talk about Steve Young being the good quarterback that was that mobile, could throw the ball well over here, why Cordell Stewart could not get that same designation is beyond me. Because it's, it's I'm not saying they're the same player, but the fact that both aren't considered good mobile running quarterbacks is kind of crazy. The second thing, here's why he's ahead of his time. You put Cordell Stewart in this Steelers offense right now in the shotgun with the read option. Do they win a playoff game? Yeah. I say yes. Absolutely. So, yes, it's a thing. All right. That'll do it for Episode 3. Please tune in again next week as we will talk about all of the wrong predictions we had for the Super Bowl. There will be many, (laughs) and they will be bad. And we will eat them. Hopefully there will be more uh, hot stove picks as well to talk about. Uh, Follow us on Twitter at SundayMornGrind, M-O-R-N. Enjoy the Super Bowl. We'll see you.